Welcome to No BS Engineering, the podcast for developers around the world who care about their careers. Join us as we share ideas, war stories, and talk with special guests about how developers can up their game and move their career forward. Welcome to another episode of No BS Engineering, the podcast for career advice for software developers. My name is Cal Evans, and along with my co-host, Mario Peshev, we're going to talk to you today about a grab bag of topics. We've got a whole list. We've got a, a Google Doc that is everything we want to talk about, and a lot of them were kind of grouped around getting a job as a software developer. So I moved them all into one big thing, and we're just going to talk about all of them today, Mario. So. Yep. Um, let's kick right into it. The first one we had was, how do, you, how do I find out if I'm eligible to be a software developer? Now, my answer is real easy. Do you like banging your head against a wall? Do you like solving hard problems at 3 a.m. that you've been working on since 9 a.m.? Congratulations, you're eligible to be a software developer. <laughs> Mario, what's your take on this? Yeah, software development is a fairly interesting field. And as someone who has studied that in both high school and then the university, um, I believe that lots of people have undertaken software development because they loved gaming. And I found lots of people being extremely disappointed after a couple of years studying basic loops and data structures and all that jazz and saying, well, that's not really as fun as gaming is. <laughs> well, I would say it's really, yeah, it's really important to be a problem solver, someone who's passionate about computers and architectures and some type of development or applications as well. And yeah, games could be one of those verticals, but games are rarely, uh, you know, game development is rarely the first type of development you're actually doing on the job. And usually it's, let's say, you know, business desktop applications or maybe mobile apps or maybe something along those lines. So I would say that this is probably one of the, the first things. If you like those type of applications, if you're passionate about finding books, if you believe that they're slow, and you want to build something that's exciting and just works better and works as a part of a theme and aren't afraid of working extremely hard, well, then I would say that software engineering is the job that you have to pursue. Yeah, um, I, I love gaming. And in my entire programming career of 36 plus years now, I've written exactly one game. I wrote one that had um, spaceships and you mined planets and you had the whole galaxy. And along about the time when I started doing computing movement for spaceships, I realized that gaming requires an incredible about, incredible amount of high order math and I yeah. suck high order math. So I invented hyperspace because I could tell how long it's going to take. It was just the path that was the hard part. You invent hyperspace, you never have to worry about that. And I, after I finished that game, I said, I will never, ever do this again. I went into business programming because, you know, that's adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing. There's no big, there's not a lot of um, hard stuff in that. But yeah, I always tell people, um, you know, I, I made the joke about banging your head. We, we do that. We solve problems at 3 a.m. that we've been working on since 9 a.m. And you have that rush of endorphins. But I always tell people, do you like solving problems for other people? Do you like mm -hmm. taking somebody else's ideas and making them come to life and seeing the joy on their face when they say, that's exactly what I was looking for? You know, if you like that, then yeah, you, you might be suitable, uh, you might be eligible to become a software developer. Yeah, definitely. And probably the, the next thing I'm going to mention uh, as a wrap up of this specific point is, do you love to learn and improve on your job? 
Oh, yeah. Software engineering is one of the fewer specialties that evolve so quickly that you need to keep learning over and over and over again. Unlike other studies, I remember my math teachers over the years. Well, they've studied for, I don't know, five years or so at the university, and essentially math is still math. You know, every few years someone invents something or comes up with a, a proof of uh, a theorem or something like that, and, and that's pretty much it. But in software engineering, six months is pretty much a millennium. Oh, yeah. So many new frameworks and paradigms and technologies and operating systems and whatnot, like everything is con condensed. You need to keep learning over and over and over again. And I often refer to myself as a learnaholic. I love learning. I spend most of my time trying to learn new stuff. I'm just actually just coming back from a workshop from an extremely experienced photography professional, a world level one that we've been waiting for for about five months to arrive. And I'm so passionate and my ideas, my, my head is full of ideas because uh, he had so much more perspective, not just in photography, but on creative, on, on color theory, on, uh, on philosophy, on know what's the meaning of sense versus feeling on oh, psychology wow. what's the what's the perception of a human eye looking at the photo what's the what's the actual path the eye the eye stay to review a photo you know so uh, you know you can always be a mediocre in any type of job but if you're passionate about a job and if you want to pursue that for 20 30 and more years well you know, you just need to be passionate enough and be ready to learn quite a lot and improve upon this specific profession Yep. And I'm going to move to the second point, which is, should you pursue a development job in the first place? Now, we already reviewed the specifics of, of what it really takes to become a developer, but should you actually pursue a development job? Now, like other jobs, development is something that nowadays comes handy in different situations. Now, there's a corporate world, there are startups, there are service-based companies, product-based companies, uh, and, and this makes development a pretty ubiquitous skill for a wide range of organizations out there. But then again, just being able to identify that and find the right spot for yourself may not be easy. And you need the strength and you need the, you need the love for the craft, mm -hmm. at least during the first two or three jobs, if you find yourself in a crappy place with, a, you know, with poor management, with, within a toxic environment or anything like that. Uh, or otherwise, you're just going to give up on the craft itself. So you need to love the craft, you need to love the job. And even if your specific team, your specific company isn't the right place to do, you should be ready to take the next step at a different organization until you actually find the right place. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about in the past um, passion and passion for developing software and how um, some of the best programmers we know are passionate about it. I don't think that's a requirement for should you be a developer? But it is a good indicator. I mean, I, I've got a friend that works with my wife and he sings in barbershop quartets and that's yeah. his passion. But he's really a good programmer. But when five o'clock hits, he turns off his computer, he goes home, he has other interests he's passionate about also. So passion isn't the checkbox you have to check. But if you're looking at a software development career, if you're not passionate about it, I personally find it to be a soul-sucking experience. It's just, mm. it's, it, it's difficult to keep yourself motivated to do it. I love it. Um, I'm a very creative person, but I lack the talent to play instruments or anything like that. So programming is my creative outlet, and I certainly can't draw. So it's my creative outlet. But, um, you know, if you're not 
passionate about it, I'd think twice about it. That doesn't mean don't do it. That just means make sure this is what you want to do. Uh, because those first few years, you're like you said, that's going to be a slog. Mm, yeah, and, and more importantly, since, since the field is moving so fast, now the, the, on the upside, there's always demand for manpower and there's always, there are always opportunities for new software engineers. So that's definitely a, a great um, industry to be at, so to speak. But on the downside, competition is fierce, meaning that more and more people are entering the field and it's easy for you to become well, obsolete or easily replaced within an organization. And having said that, technologies come and go. And again, if you're not ready to learn and just keep your skills up to date, it's going to be extremely hard to just be employable for a longer period of time. Uh, I remember I had a high school teacher and she kind of, well, she was passionate about the craft for about eight years or so, and then she turned that into a technical project management role and wasn't really keeping her skills up to date. And she was working in a Borland Delphi environment, and back in the day, Delphi was already on the wow. downside. You know, C Sharp was just showing up, Java already had some traction and whatnot. So she still had some corporate projects, some banking projects, and so on, but it was it was so hard to find new projects. And, and, and I believe her company uh, had to close shop about four or five years later, simply because all of her clients left and there were no clients interested in that type of skills and that type of technology. And she wasn't passionate enough to kind of train her team and keep everyone up to date and, and actually hire the type of people who are happy to learn new technologies over and over and over again. So yep. that's just something that you need to be aware of. If you take a break for a couple of years or so, it may very well take you several months to get up to speed with the latest technologies on the market. Hey, speaking of learning, and I, I'm going to throw this one to you because you hire a lot of developers um, on the DevRx team. Mm -hmm. um, do you need a computer science degree to be a proficient software developer? <laughs> That's a wonderful question, and I, I have some mixed feelings about this, to be honest. Now, I don't think we have, we probably have one or two software developers who have graduated from computer science, but probably 90% of my people have taken classes and probably still for two or three years, mm. and they got up to speed with the foundations. Now, so... In my opinion, it's really a fine line. In software engineering, you need to be aware of the full spectrum of technologies and architectures and, and operating systems and computers and, again, computer architectures and networks and a bunch of other things in order to know what you're doing. And web development is one uh, good example for that, right? You need to write a, let's say, PHP script that executes something. But when you pass a ton of data, you need to be aware of the limitations of the script. Now, is it going to hit the CPU at max and essentially break? Is it going to time out for some reason? Is it going to fill up the disk space? Is the network transfer to the database slow enough? Are there any other consequences? Uh, what type of backup rate storage you need for this one? And, and the list keeps growing on. And if you're not passionate about this, and if you don't really go through the foundations of computer science, it may be a lot harder to just mingle with other developers who have this background. So I'm not saying that uh, university is the only place you can learn that, and it usually is a very boring place to study that uh, until you have some practice, but just keeping up the skills that are studied at the university is something that may be super handy. Yeah, and I've got a little bit different take than a lot of people. 
I see a value in having a degree. Doesn't necessarily mean that you need a CS degree, but one of the things that a going through the college experience will teach you is how to learn, how to study, and it'll get you in that repetition. And you know, we've, we've got a whole episode dedicated to learning to learn. I'll throw a link in the show notes to it. But that is so important as we've covered. You know, in this industry, things move so fast. I don't care what language you're working in. I mean, JavaScript, yes, they, um, the JavaScript community gets new frameworks almost every six months. PHP gets a new version every month. It doesn't matter, or every year, sorry. It doesn't matter what, um, what language you're working in. You have to constantly be learning and mastering new concepts. The basics stay the same, okay? Um, the design principles, object-oriented design principles have not changed dramatically in um, 10 years. Mm -hmm. But how we do it has changed dramatically. So you've got to be learning to learn. And I think that's the value of spending the time to get a college degree is that you have learned how to learn and you've learned the discipline of that. And that's something that uh, it took me so much longer to master because I don't have a degree. I didn't go through, I went through um, about a year of college, but I mm -hmm. did not get a degree. And the knowledge that I would have learned about computer science in the early eighties would be absolutely useless to me, but the discipline of learning how to learn, that's going to stay with you. And um, that took me a long time to master. Kyle, out of curiosity, just, uh, just as a wordplay here, if you can think about the top 10 engineers uh, you know, on top of your head, what percentage would you, would you say have went through a computer science program, roughly speaking? Yeah, I'd say that it probably be a, a computer science program. I'd say it's probably in the um, 20 to 30 percent. Some mm -hmm. kind of degree, I would say it's probably 50 percent. Um, but that means that half the people that are writing software have taught themselves how to do it. So yeah. that's pretty dang good. It's pretty much the same here. Uh, I would say 30% as well myself and about 50% for any other type of degree and they just kind of switch to computer science. So I guess this is fairly common. Uh, lots of great engineers have started with the practical work, be it freelancing or just uh, self-taught developers or anything like that. And usually three, four, up to five years, uh, down the road, they said, well, I, I'm obviously lacking skills in a certain area. And they start going to more technical conferences. They start reading those technical books, uh, you know, reading the pragmatic programmer type of materials, and then understanding what sort of gaps they have in their knowledge uh, that prevent them to kind of move forward. Knowing is cool. Sharing knowledge is even cooler. In my book, Uncle Cal's Career Advice for Developers, I share with you five of the most important pieces of career advice I've learned. Get your copy today by pointing a browser at bit.ly slash Uncle Cal. I want to share this knowledge with you. Yeah, I'm going to jump on the fourth one and actually pass it on to you as well, which is how to stress on teamwork in your CV. And this is something that I've been helping some folks out, but I'm super interested in your opinion. What would you Hang say? On just one second. For those of you in the US, a CV is your resume. Okay, I just need to say that. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well played. So, yeah, I mean, teamwork and CVs are definitely a rough challenge, but since you were going through a similar period lately, I'm very interested to hear your own experience, uh, kind of polishing your resume lately and also talking to some companies. What's your 
more recent experience in that field? Um, that's a tough question. I, I think the, the way that I do that is I talk about the projects that I've worked on. Now, um, in my last full-time role, I had a couple of projects where I was the primary developer on it, but you and I both know that on any major um, software application, being the primary programmer does not mean you're the programmer. You know, yeah. um, I'm, I was drawing on the expertise of five or six different people at any given time. It was just my job to pull all that together. So um, on my resume, I focus on the project and what I learned from the project and how I did that and giving props to the people that helped me. And, you know, I learned this from this person or this person showed me this concept and stuff like that. And that shows that not only do I know them, but I learned how to get that information from other people because, you know, when I'm running teams, I'll tell people flat out, if you've banged your head on a problem for more than 15 minutes and you've not asked a team member for help, you're wasting the company's money. Okay. Don't do that get help from them. And so I, when I um, start talking about my uh, resume and my CV, I, I start focusing on that. I went to this person or this person helped me with this and, um, and, and focus on those kind of projects. Indeed. That makes quite a lot of sense. My answer is going to be split into two different categories. If you're a junior developer and then if you're an experienced developer. Now, I'm going to start with experience. With experienced developers, there are different roles you may be pursuing, which is why you need to tailor your experience in a certain way. Now, lately, there is a new position that's uh, popping up more and more often, which is the so-called individual contributor. Now, the individual contributor is usually someone who's extremely senior. Uh, however, they can be self-managed and they can actually work uh, more or less uh, solo on a particular complex component, but they don't have managerial capabilities or they don't want to deal with people management. That's more or less what individual contributor is. There are also other areas that may be related to R&D, which requires a different skill set, which is again, not necessarily related to teamwork, but most type of positions are, do expect you to spend time working with other developers together or being a technical project manager or a team leader, which is contingent on teamwork. So in that case, what I would say is first off, list down the type of skills that you have acquired by working with people and list down some accomplishments from working with people. For example, if you have a promotion from a, let's say mid-level developer or senior developer to a team lead, this means that the company has decided that you have uh, more or less managerial capabilities in the sense of people trust you and you can organize people and you can work with people and bring the product further. And this is extremely important. You have to stress on it. Even if you don't have a team leader as a specific job upgrade from HR, that doesn't mean that you're not a team leader per se. You may say, I was mentoring a couple of people along the way. I was in charge of training two junior developers along the way. And if you were a regular developer on a project, definitely mention, I've been working for, for example, for a year with eight other developers working on this project. Right, so it may have different connotations, but for the most part, it means that you have worked with other people because if you, uh, like when we, uh, when we review CVs of freelancers, it looks quite the opposite. I worked on 10 different projects and that's pretty much it. And of course, even a freelancer is working with so many other people, the project manager or the client or yeah. other third 
are the vendors, but they don't really emphasize on the teamwork. They emphasize on their own skills, which is a completely different game. And that's why sometimes it's trickier for them to just start a job with other people. And I'm also jumping on the, the junior bandwagon for a, for a moment. If you're a junior, if you haven't had a lot of experience working with other people, try to tap into different areas of your life that rely on teamwork. You may have been in some committee at school or the president of whatever type of club, uh, or you may have organized workshops for piano with your friends, or you may have organized school plays for something, or a, a sports team, anything that uh, tells HRs that you are into team play, you like working with people, you can work together with people, you're not afraid of it, and it's an expectation of actually starting a job. Mm -hmm. Good point. I want to change my answer to that one. So, no, I, <laughs> that was uh, an excellent point. I want to take a side sidebar here. You mentioned something that's very important that um, some engineers, you've talked about the, the individual contributor, are very good and very senior, but have absolutely no interest in becoming managers. Mm -hmm. And I think it is so important when I um, when I consult with companies about their teams and helping them improve their teams, it is so important to have a career ladder that a developer can take that does not branch off into uh, management, that they can go and they can keep getting better and getting better compensated if they hit these levels that are strictly engineering. Now, that doesn't mm -hmm. mean they don't have to mentor because I always say the difference between a mid-level developer and a senior developer is simply that the senior developer can mentor. You know, mm -hmm. the senior developer needs to be able to build the next generation, but that doesn't mean he wants to become management because management is wholly different. That's a, that's a different animal, um, mm -hmm. different skill set for that. So if you're running a team or if you have a development team in your company, please make sure you have a career path for developers that does not have to go to management to keep advancing. Mm, yeah, most definitely. Uh, oh wow, that was uh, that was a lot. So I'm actually going to jump on the next point, which is how long is too long to stay in a company? And I'm obviously biased here for a very good reason because I actually run an agency and I want my people to stay here forever, which is obvious. <laughs> but again, in reality, we do have turnover every now and then, and I'm very proud to say that we have had people that return back to the company. So. Nice. Um, Ever since I've had a uh, kind of an interesting perspective on life, simply because people said, well, you know, we've learned enough, yada, 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 then we're going to try something new. And a couple of years later, they say, well, how about we start working together again? And having said that, I see that sometimes you can't really lock people in forever. And sometimes it's not even a great idea to lock people in forever. But if you give them the opportunity to try different things out and just test a different type of endeavor. It could be freelancing, could be working for a corporation, could be this, could be that. And if they give this a shot and if they, they try this out and they say, well, that's definitely not for me, but now I'm missing out on things that I really loved at the previous team, then this is a great uh, testimonial for your own company, the way you do business and the way you actually uh, give back to the world, to the engineering world at least. So there are different, uh, there are different studies. Um, like last time I checked, people between the age of, uh, what was it, 18 and uh, 35 or 40, they change on average 11 jobs or so. And half of those jobs are switched between the, age, uh, between the ages of 18 and 24, meaning that people 
barely stay a full year within a job. So this is an official study. However, it's worth saying that people who are 18 years old usually work as waiters or fast food chains. So this, this is kind of shifting the perspective, but things are getting better with time. And with time, when you go through a company or two, maybe three, you normally are expected to know what you expect from life, and you're also at a given age where you don't want to experiment that much more, right? Yeah. Uh, you're setting down family, probably kids or something else, or buying a house or, or anything along those lines, and you are no longer interested in just nomading for the next four years of your life. And with that in mind, if you have experienced certain things, you really are ideally looking for a company and a place to settle in. For some people, this may be their very first job, which is great, or their second job. But mm -hmm. other than that, it's kind of normal to stay, you know, anywhere between a year and a half and four years within a company, unless this really is the company that you can more or less spend the rest of your life with. Yeah. And Kyle, what's your take on this one? Um, my, I've got a talk that I give called Uncle Cal's Career Advice for Developers. And I've got a book available um, of the talk also. But in it, I profess that I am very mercenary when it comes to jobs, okay? Mm -hmm. um, a job is nothing more than trading time for money, and it is a business exchange. And so many people get caught up in the emotion of, I've got a new job or I'm going to get a new job, and you can't do that. you got to treat it as a business transaction because I guarantee you the company is treating that as a business transaction. And as a business transaction, you stay at the company as long as it makes sense for both parties. As mm -hmm. soon as you, it doesn't make sense, as soon as you, you've hit the ceiling and you know you're not going any further, or as soon as the company has pivoted and they're doing something that you're no longer passionate about doing, that's the time to start looking for another job. I'm not saying quit your job immediately if something bad happens, okay? <laughs> Don't walk away from a paycheck. Keep that paycheck going, but look around. Now, I'm always, when I build teams, when I, the, when I have my initial meeting with my new team members, I tell mm -hmm. them this one thing. I say, look, if at any time you decide you don't want to be here, I don't want you here, but I don't want to kick you out. Come to me, tell me this. If we can't solve the problem, I'll do my best to help you find something else because I yeah. want everybody to have the job that they are passionate about. And, um, you know, if, if you find a company that is willing to understand this, then that's, that's first of all, you're probably not going to want to leave that company, but that's a great company to work for. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, really just bonding with your major and understanding what the, the, chain above you the way it works it's really important because if you can't talk to your direct manager if you can't really share problems or concerns or anything like that that's probably a toxic place that you want to avoid in the first place but again even if you plan on leaving i would definitely suggest at least two conversations with management for hey you know i'm not really feeling as productive right now or i would like to switch gears and work on something else within a couple months from now or so, anything like that. Give them an upfront notice, give them a sign that you need something new, be it a new technology, be it this, being that. They may or may not respect that. It may or may not be possible, but when you give them a heads up once, twice, if they don't track, well, you know, it's all good faith after all. You say, well, I warned you, I found another place and so forth. But sometimes you may be surprised. They may be looking for a different role for someone who has uh, an overlapping skill set with yours. For example, they may need a technical trainer for your team. They may need 
yeah. I don't know, a senior mentor. They may need someone who's kind of coaching the team. They may need someone who's only doing code reviews all day long because, I don't know, this is something you enjoy. Or, or someone who's debugging all day long because not everyone loves that, but you may be the person who loves that and the company may be having a very hard time finding this person. So, again, you would be surprised what you can find if you ask. But, again, this is contingent on you getting to know your uh, kind of team leader and manager as early as possible, making sure they're legitimate and kind of good people or otherwise just start looking for another job as soon as possible. I've left two companies because uh, the two companies that I loved because I was in a position where I had no career ladder. Uh, Mm -hmm. I answered in both of these positions. I either answered to a C-level or VP. I had absolutely zero chance of ever being promoted into that position. And the only way to get a raise was to be promoted. This this company didn't give merit raises. And so I'm like, Mm -hmm. You know, after a couple of years, it it was, these were great companies. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But after a couple of years, things were starting to catch up and I needed to make more money. And they were like, no, we're just happy with you where you are. Yeah. Well, yeah, it it definitely is a fact. Sometimes small companies simply cannot afford that. And sometimes large companies simply have very uh, tough structure to work around. And it's really hard to change it and make exceptions because it's going to, crumble upon thousands of different people in the team. It's, yep. it's a complex endeavor. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Definitely ask around, see if there's a chance for improvement, give them two tries, and if not, just find another place to walk out. Yep. Okay. Hey, thank you, everybody, for spending some time with us today here on No BS Engineering. I hope you've enjoyed this time. I hope you found it a valuable investment of your time. Hey, do me a favor. Go out to iTunes. Leave us a rating. If you like what we're doing, leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what, we're, what we can do better. We'd really appreciate it. And no matter how you subscribe to your podcast, we're available on all the major networks. Make sure you subscribe so that we will see you right here next week on No BS Engineering. Thanks, everyone.